Yours truly, Jack the Nipper. It's Arthur Sinclair, episode 82. Hi everybody, welcome to Our Sinclair. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today Aaron, we're going to be talking about Jack the Nipper. Oh, yeah. Looks like you've already had a little nip yourself. Well, a little bit of a, yeah, a little nip. to get through Jack the Nipper, I had to take a few. Now before we start, Aaron, we want to give a special shout out to our Clives Club members, Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, Richard Goulstone, Paul Harrington, McChessers, Jed Byrne, Justin Tinpot Gamer, Orkmeal, and you, possibly in the future. Ah. Patreon.com slash Our Sinclair. Now, Aaron... When it comes to your garden variety pseudo mythical serial killer, hmm. who's your favorite? Do you think he's pseudo? You talk about Jack the Ripper as yeah. being pseudo pseudo mythical. We don't know if he was one person. Oh, I he see. Was multiple people. I see what you mean. I like you know. There's a guy. He would. He's it's the same sort of era actually. There's a guy called Spring Hill Jack. Okay. You ever heard of him? No. Was he saucy? He was. He was saucy. He would bounce around town. And when just before they got him, he'd go like burn, and he could shoot up in the air. That's mm. why they called him Spring Hill Jack. I like and it. And he haunted the area. I don't think he actually killed anybody. He was in London. I I, I think he was. Mm. Yeah, uh, somewhere in, in in Britain there at the time. But he would. But you I never like get those idea. guys around here. You never get anybody in Big Chimney. You know? Nope. <laughs> Spring Spring Hill Cletus. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I like the idea of someone having like boingy shoes. Yeah. You ever seen those shoes that have the springs built into them? Why not? I mean, do those things work? No, because the amount the amount of pressure that you need to apply to one of those springs to get you off the air yeah. would be so immense that it would just kill you immediately. They would go up through your body and out through your head. Really? Yeah. It's like you looked into this. I've done research. I mean, what could you put on your body that would make you jump real high? Uh, well, you can do the moon shoes. Okay, what are the moon shoes? Are like platform shoes that yeah. have little trampolines on them. You can get a good five <laughs> or six. You're inches. kidding me? Yeah, you can add. How a do couple... I, how do, where are the trampolines? Under your feet? Yeah, in they're the shoe? they're in the shoe, and the shoe is like it's almost like a snowshoe. Yeah. Okay, it's wider than your normal shoe. Yeah. And you get and then you boom. Really? One of those? You're yeah. worn those? Yes. Uh, was it? Did it work? Well, I mean, my my vert is typically one to two inches. The vert, yeah. So uh, this added, I would say it added probably a good fifty percent to my vert. Now, you know, because in video games, guys have these tremendous leaps. Yeah. You know, in, yeah. in real life, humans can't do any of that stuff. Even the finest long jumper couldn't do sort of video games. Yeah, guys especially and, when you consider like the long jumpers take like a fifty yard sprint to yeah. do their jump. Like, if you think about this game, before we get into it, but the baby, he's got a pretty good vert. Mm-hmm. And that's depressing when you're me. There's a kid who's still in diapers. He's got like a he's got like a three-foot vertical leap. Did you ever entertain fantasies about dunking a basketball? I did. God knows I tried. Then I would jump off stuff mm-hmm. to simulate it. But really, what are you doing there? I was a big fan of jumping off my dad's car. Oh, he, my God. He was not a big fan of no. jumping off his car. Did I you ever put a, footprints and I, stuff I put like a dent in his roof. So that wasn't. Oh yeah, man! Yeah. I bet you got murdered. It wasn't. It wasn't a happy day. Did you play basketball when you were a kid? Oh, I mean, just for fun. I never played on a team or anything. You never actually had. Did you do anything athletic? Yeah, I played baseball all the way up until high school. Really? Why mm-hmm. did you quit? Because uh, two reasons. One, because I was no good. And two, <laughs> that's a good reason. And two, because it literally <laughs> interfered with being in the marching band. You couldn't. Wow, man! So, so you you were at a crossroads. Yeah. Except that athletic participant, well, geek, this, band listen, geek. And you're new. No one will understand this better than you. Yeah, I came out of the Hurricane Baseball League. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I went to a little league we like called Babe Ruth over at the uh, Wave Pool Park. You got there, you got cream. There's there. a vast uh, there's a vast chasm of ability. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that, that that must it, be crossed. Bench, bench warming and what much? Oh yeah. You? I, yeah. I rode the I rode the pine like the best of them the one year I did it. So and that was they, the end. There you go. I don't know how we've gotten here, Aaron. Baseball. Right? Let's leave it. Jack the Nipper. <laughs> Jack the Nipper. You know. Uh, I'm sure you'd heard of this one, Boat. Yes. Uh, this may be amongst our collection in here. I think. Yeah, I think we do. I think we've got this one. Uh, so, uh, Jack the Nipper, uh, released for the ZX Spectrum 48K version uh, in the year of our Lord, 1986. September, I have read, but your mileage may vary. That's probably when it was reviewed in the mag. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the re- release date was, I was I saw a couple places, September 86. Okay. So your mileage may vary. This was a uh, seven-pound... 95p release, pretty cheap, of mm-hmm. course, the usual suspects on that. Uh, published by Gremlin and developed by Gremlin-ish, and we'll get into that. Uh, just to refresh uh, everyone's memory on what Gremlin did on the ZX, uh, they did a couple things we've already looked at, Boat, including Deflector. Remember Deflector? Mm-hmm. They did Gauntlet, Hate. Remember Hate? Me yeah, Brent you did and Brent that did that one. one. They did uh, Footballer of the Year, a series of that. They did a bunch of Gauntlet games. They did a lot of stuff. Uh, this game was written by a fellow named Greg Holmes. Uh, Greg Holmes uh, was an interesting cat. I saw a little interview with him. Like he was basically like I believe he was working like on the docks or something, and he wanted to get into computers. And he he went out and got himself a ZX Spectrum, right right around eight eighty one early on, and learned how to uh, program like on that machine with the specific purpose of actually getting into like doing games and stuff. Have that you was, ever known anyone that's worked down at the docks? I no, I never have. I know one we don't guy. live anywhere near the ocean. That's probably yeah. why. So you know, I went to OU. So you got the Ohio contingent, the up north. Yeah. And I know a guy that works the docks up in uh, Sandusky area. Okay. Yeah. In undergrad, he was an organ. Uh, he was an organ major. Really? Okay. Yeah. He was an organ Very performance impressive. major. Then he became a tractor repairman. Oh man. He also has the lowest voice I've ever heard in my life. He sang ultra bass in the really? choir. Oh. Yeah. And now he works the docks up in Sandusky. You have to be you have to be a a, a real stud. He's a bad dude. Old school mm-hmm. like swarthy gent yeah. to work the docks. He's got the personality for it. Uh, so and, I, and who knows if Greg Holmes developed this because it was early days for him. Uh, but anyway, he got this and he started working on some games. And he, this was not his first game. He worked on a game called Coil Cop. Uh, he went on to do some other stuff. Jack the Dipper Two, Advita Zane Monty, uh, Avenger. Uh, some other stuff, but he worked on a series of three games, and the third game uh, he worked on was Jack the Nipper, and he actually talked about going up to Gremlin to pick the brains of some of the geniuses that were working there to kind of give him some help on the game, and they he said that they didn't reveal all their secrets to him, but they uh, they would tell him enough to where he could figure out these various techniques mm-hmm. and tricks to get the ZX Spectre to do what he wanted. Uh, and so, which I think that's kind of neat. That's sort of the way I think a development house should work, really. You know, they've got your individual coder, but they go in, they people help them out. I think that's yeah. kind of neat. Uh, the music on this is credited to a guy named Nick Law. That's a joke name that uh, Greg used. Apparently, that was a nickname for a guy named Nick Coran, who worked there at, at Gremlin and did the music for it. Uh, the art was done by, uh, by a, I think it was his brother, John, who also worked on Potter and A Trick of the Tale. Uh, and the load screen was done by a guy named Peter Harap. This guy's got a, a Harap sheet of mm-hmm. genius here. 
Amongst the things he worked on were Avisa Imani, Avenger, Bounder, Death Wish 3. That's right, the Charles Bronson. We've got to play that sometime. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the Flintstones, a lot of stuff. So this guy got around. Um, Jack the Nipper was also uh, ported over to the Amstrad, uh, the C64, the MSX, and then uh, eventually made its way to the iPad, the Apple family of uh, products, and is also available on AntStream, in case you're one of the people that is uh, subscribed to that. Um, so what is this game, you may ask yourself? And what this is, is you play the role of Jack the Nipper. Jack is a little baby who has a penchant for being naughty, Boat. And his naughtiness takes many forms. Some of them, I'd say mundane, and some of them downright murderous. <laughs> <laughs> this game would not fly today. No. There's a 0% chance you would make Jack the Nipper today. Uh, Jack uh, moves around. I use the old uh, joystick for this. Uh, and but you also have to use the keyboard. This is a game where you have you're required to use keyboard controls because you're going to need to hit enter to open doors. You're going to have to hit the one and two button to manipulate uh, Jack the Nipper's inventory of goodies. Uh, you start off in your nursery, and you the first thing you need to do is go and get your uh, I guess your straw so you can shoot spit wads at mm -hmm. people. Uh, and so that's when you're going to get comfortable with the way the game uh, works in terms of. How Jack moves. Jack can jump. Jack's not what I would call a speed demon boat. He moves. He moves at the same. Well, actually, for a baby, he moves pretty quick. He moves good for a baby. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll grant you that. Uh, but he's not. He's not what I would call a super duper speedy kid. Uh, and everyone in this game sort of plods along. If I'm honest. Um, before we get too far into this boat, the concept of playing a, a child, a baby. Me and Brent did an ARG on this very premise a couple months ago. In fact, this was on our radar even back then, but I didn't want to play this. I figured we might cover it, mm -hmm. and we did. Uh, what do you What do you think about the idea of playing as a baby? Does it appeal to you in game? I hate it. Really? Hate it. That's why I ask. Why Why do you hate it so because much? Because one of two things is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. One, the baby is going to be so cute and so lovable that it's going to yeah. cause you pain to bring harm to the baby. Yeah. You know in a game like this, there's going to be a lot of harm done. Right. Or two, the baby is going to be so repulsive looking, like all those Amiga baby games, that you're going to want to wish harm on the baby, and, and what, that makes you feel guilty. Which Amiga games are you referring to, Boat? Oh, all of them. Son of Chuck. Son of Chuck, he's kind of cute. I didn't think he was that ugly. BC the, Kid, he's not that bad. No, looking. BC Kid. Well, that's not really an Amiga game. Um, but uh, the the game that you picked on the Baby Games uh, episode, I can't think of it right now. That was a pretty good game. I don't even remember it. Either. But the, ba it the baby looked awful. Yeah, he was rough. This yeah. baby looks uh, fairly baby like. He's blood on bald. He's in a in onesie. The baby and Gregory loses his clock. I hated that baby. <laughs> Man, you just don't like babies, is what you're saying. I, but I'm just saying. What do you think of the controls in this? Uh, I, you know, the controls are fine. This is a if you can imagine an adventure game set in the world of Double Dragon. <laughs> uh, that, that's what, what? That, that's what Jack the Nipper is. And not just the world, not the actual other. The bad guys are involved. The bad guys are a Bobo, <laughs> Adobo, or whatever his name is, is not in this game. <laughs> but uh, you are you're moving about a, a sort of 3D space where you can move up, down, left, and right, and uh, you're collecting items. You have an inventory of two slots. And your job is to uh, uh, solve puzzles by bringing items to certain locations, which trigger events, oh, and to, to raise heck, Aaron, 
You've got a little um, spit wad thrower. Uh, I think they said it was a pea shooter. A pea shooter. A pea shooter. That's not really, we don't really, you don't get a lot of pea shooting here in the, no. in the States. I think that had mostly died out around the yeah. 40s. I think this my was, dad probably did that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, you, you basically, you roam about this pretty large world. Yeah, it is. It's a 50, 50 different screens mm-hmm. boat on this game, which that is, that is impressive. And they comprise a, a, a kind of a fully fleshed out city. You have a storefront uh, where you can go into various types of retail establishments. Uh, there's a laundromat. Uh, there's a pharmacist, a computer shop. Then there's a software store police station. Right. And then there's also a pastoral setting where you're where you're walking around the fields, you go to sort of a rural cabin. So there's lots of different places to explore in this game. So if you're looking at this game from the standpoint of graphics, uh, aside from this being presented in glorious spectrum monocolor, yeah. uh, the graphics are quite serviceable. They're, they're, I think quite they're, serviceable. I actually think they're great. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think the, the the caricatures that they made, the other the, the townsfolks look great. Uh, you can tell what everything is. I know how you much you love the names of places to be on. So all mm-hmm. the businesses in this are named, mm-hmm. which is, is great. You could go into all the doors, which is great. You can, there's also sometimes you just go through gaps in the wall. It's a whole other area, which is, which is great. Uh, the uh, the the, uh, uh, the the graveyards, the fields. They did a great job. I think this is a real impressive game. With a lot going on visually. Now, uh, like Boat said, the object of this game was just to go out and raise hell, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, the, uh, on the bottom of the screen, this is one of your patented, like, two-thirds of the screens devoted to to uh, all sorts of stuff. Although you sort of need it in this, I guess. I'd say it's about 40%. I'm going to say, I'm going to give a pass, because there's a lot to keep track of on this. The bottom part of the screen, you've got your number of Jack the Nippers remaining. Uh, you get five. You've got your rash meter. The, this is, think hit points. I think this is clever. The more contact you come into with uh, other people, the more the rash uh, uh, meter will go up. And if it goes all the way to the top, you that jack is out. He's been rashed out, basically. Mm. you got to go to the next one. I think that's a cute one because you no one wants to kill babies. Right, And right. so... And no one in this game does anything aggressive towards Jack the Nipper. They just basically walk over him. Yeah, they. It, this is a, one of these games where anything you come into contact with that's moving is yeah. your enemy. Yeah. Now, the, so we like the way things look. We like the characters, the way they look. Uh, the way things, the game, I guess, is a lot of it's just avoiding stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, if you think, if you ever played Blood Money and you think, how do those aliens just randomly move around? This is the... That's the way these people move. They just walk back and forth <laughs> on the screen like mindless idiots until you shoot them with your pea shooter. And they, they also come they, they have this vacant look in their eyes. Yeah, they're they're happy. all smiling. Yeah. It's like you're living in one of those like self-contained dementia villages. Yeah. <laughs> We're, and, I don't know what it's like. I, I've never heard of a self-contained dementia Oh, village. yeah. They're, all, they're popular in Scandinavia. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm never going there. But Jack exists in some weird zones here. You can see why he wants to hurt these people. Because well, he doesn't really want to hurt them. What do you mean? You shoot them. You poison them. Well, you drop stuff on them. <laughs> okay, maybe he does. Yeah, he's he's a, not a good boy. Now, early in the game, when I got my pea shooter, I was I was shooting suckers. Mm-hmm. And if because these guys don't, the people in this town don't exactly move fast either. No, There's a lot of Jackie Joyner curses here. But uh, when you they randomly roll around until you hurt them, and then they come at you, bro, hard and heavy. They still walk the same speed, but they come directly to you. But you can reel off two or three shots before they get anywhere near you. Now, 
the shots don't hurt don't hurt them. I mean, in terms of killing them. But what it does is it basically piss them off. But the first few of those you shoot, you get some naughty points. And I thought, man, I'm going to max this naughty meter out quick. I'm just going to take this pea shooter, go around town, and shoot suckers in the butt. Well, that's not the way it works. If there's a cap on just shooting people, how much your naughty meter will go up. Uh, other things you've got to do uh, in the game to increase your naughty meter is, like Boat said, you there are various things you pick up in the game. There's uh, glue. There's batteries. And you, once you pick the, uh, up an item, you need to go find a place to put it to where your naughty meter will go up. This is part of the game that I didn't really quite... I mean, maybe it's just trial and error, that sort of thing. Well, I it, didn't quite understand exactly how you find where you're supposed to put this Here, stuff. Here's the problem. When you have a game like this, you need to... Well, okay. Let's, let's back up. Because yeah. this, I feel like we need to give this stipulation a lot. Okay, if this was the only game that you had, yeah. and you had an infinite amount of time to work on it, okay, this game is solvable. Yeah. Okay. Um, they do not, it, they don't make it explicit what items you can interact with in this game. So you basically have to touch everything and attempt to pick it up. And explain how you pick stuff up for You it. hit one or two Correct. on the keyboard. Okay, which I, I like. I think that's fine. I mean, if you don't mind... Touching yeah, the keyboard you don't mind when you're playing with your joystick. And, and a lot of people were, were playing this on, on the keyboard. keyboard yeah. So, In fact, I'd say the majority. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and then when you get to the scene where you have to do something with it, you just drop it. Okay. And you hope that it's the right thing to do. If it's not the right thing to do, that item will frequently disappear. That's, that's and, a problem. Yeah. And yeah. go back and you have to retrieve it. And it's not easy to retrieve yeah. some of these items. That's yeah. where the platforming section of the game comes in where you oftentimes have to make pixel-perfect jumps to get across to the areas yeah. in these rooms where these items are hidden. So, now, here's what I picture. I picture a lad of seven or eight taking this home, and he's got his notebook next to him. Mm -hmm. or she's got her notebook. We'll use a lady. There are lady Spectrum gamers. And she's got her notebook, and she makes careful notes of the locations of every room. She maps out all 50 screens. Yeah. Then she goes into each room and she maps out the location of all the items. And then gradually she works through the puzzles and solves the game. And yeah. she gets a great sense of accomplishment from that. Yeah. Okay. This is how people played games back then. Yeah. You know. Now, how does that translate to 2023 or 2022? Not very well in my case, because I need to have a little bit more assistance. I'm not asking for you to solve the game for me. I am. I What I would like to see is the items that you can interact with be highlighted in a different color. That way you don't waste your time trying to negotiate yourself in these platforms to pick up an item that you can't pick up. Yeah. Two, I would like to see a list of items somewhere, either in the docks or on a separate screen, that actually tells you what the item is. Like, this is a pen. This is a jar of poison. Because sometimes you can tell, like the poison, yeah, it's got the skull and crossbones on it. But there are some things in this game you just don't know what they are. They're too abstract looking. And three, you've got to not make the item disappear when it doesn't work to solve the puzzle. Just let you set it down and then nothing happens, you can pick it back up. I assume they did that to uh, artificially extend the gameplay. Absolutely. Uh, and the funny thing is, uh, if we had a list here of all the items and all the places you put the items, all right, uh, the actual, that wouldn't be that tough. You could go get the stuff. It, you know, you could get it. You uh, uh, So really, the, the, uh, the run-of-the-mill gameplay of this game isn't the game. It mm -hmm. is the puzzle. The rest of it's just avoiding people. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. 
you occasionally could get someone on you, and they just, you just can't get them off of you, and, oh, you, and you die. Well, that happens all the time. So if you're ever going to use the pea shooter, yeah. what you have to do is be a, be at least 50% of the screen away from the person yeah. and leave the screen before they find you. Because once they get you... They blanket you. Yeah, you yeah. can't. there's no getting away from them unless you can get out of the screen. And th- Which I thought was odd. And yeah. I tried jumping and acting crazy, and nothing helped. So there may be a technique that was involved in escaping. But I mean, like Boat said, if you're going to shoot a sucker... You absolutely don't want to shoot him when he's near you. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure you get out get out of the way. Plus, some, occasionally some other stuff will hurt baby. Now, here's what else I would have liked. Yeah. Okay, uh, populating this game, you have grown-ups, you have animals, and you have ghosts. And there's also some weird and there's a- aliens. Like, I'm assuming, or oh, there's also, like, bugs or something. Yeah, I, I always thought about them as aliens. What I would have liked is, of course, the grown-ups are your enemy because you're a baby. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the, the animals be able to assist in your naughtiness somehow. Like, maybe when you shoot a dog with the pea shooter, it goes, it runs amok. It goes, it goes mad with power, and it bites the backside of one of the grown-ups, and your naughty meter grows, goes up. Hey, that's, that's, that's not bad, actually, Bo. Ghosts are the only thing that can be killed by your pea shooter. Yeah. Uh, you know... Uh, in terms of the control of the baby, I like you, you mentioned that there were pixel perfect jumps, which there are tons and tons of these, which is a that's your classic spectrum jumping mm-hmm. a game where you have to <laughs> I mean, be classic spectrum jumping experience. Well, I mean, you all like even in the very first screen to get to the pea shooter, you have to make some pixel perfect leaps. Yeah, and that means going out to where you're all and like in real life, you can never balance on the last pixel you need to to make these jumps. Right. Right. Well, you know, now we've been playing Spectre stuff for a while now. I mean, what do you think? What's the scoop on that? Does it bother you, or is it something you just? I mean, are you used to it by I'm now? I'm used to it. But honestly. I mean, it seems just it seems so dumb. I don't. This is why this, they why do they make the games to be like again? That? You know, they were trying to make the game difficult. They Spectrum developers, by and large, were terrified of making their games too easy. Oh well, they were terrified because what would happen is if a reviewer took it home and managed to beat it. That would be the the first line. Too easy. Not worth your not worth your hard earned cash. You think? Yeah. Well, this one's not gonna fall into that category. That's for darn. Because think about it. Have we ever played a Spectrum game that was easy? Even some that people loved, I couldn't play. Right. You know, they're it's a they made them tough. Yeah. I mean, but of course, you got a different sort of people were playing them back then. And you're right. Going home, taking notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mapping out the rooms mm-hmm. and stuff, or getting a magazine where they did that, which yeah. would be a great thing for the magazines to do. It makes sense. exactly, and I think that had a lot to do with it too. I think that there, there was, there was most likely this is unsubstantiated, yeah. but in, I believe that these these companies would go over and they'd say, "Hey, Crash, you know, we're getting ready to release this game." If you give us a favorable review, we'll give you the map already. All you've got to do is print it. You'll sell a million magazines because everybody wants the map to Jack the Nipper. Yeah. Winking a nudge. It might be. Looks as good of a horse. Oh, I don't know what that meant. To a blind man's uncle. Yeah. That's why you don't have a sayings book right there. See the wink I gave you? No, no I, was, I thought you had a twitch going on. So, overall, I enjoyed the game. I like the look of it. I like the character. I like the rash meter, the 90 meter. I like that stuff. But it was, to me, it was let down by the puzzles. Which, I, to me, I couldn't figure out the, any rhyme or reason on how they worked. We've played a lot of these games where there are puzzle elements. And, and there's sort of... Sometimes they'll at least give you an idea of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. This one, it just seemed arbitrary. I watched a playthrough 
because uh, I had picked up a lot of stuff I didn't know what to do with it. And this one bit where they pick up this poison, and it looks like he just leaves it in the road. I'm well, like, wait, what's going you, on with here? With the poison, what you do is you take it to the flowers. Yeah. You take it to the screen with the flowers, you drop it, and all the flowers disappear. Right, but I mean, he just drops it in the middle of the street. Yeah. Like, it, I'm like, what happened? You know, I don't get that. Yeah. Like, and how would you know to do that, and why? Right. Again, it just comes from lots of trial and error. You know, so there you go. Uh, we mentioned that this game got... Uh, released on some of the uh, other uh, machines of the day, I grabbed hold of some uh, video here from the C64 version. Uh, from what I can tell, this, uh, the uh, Spectre version was the was the uh, premier version, and it was ported for, to everything else from, from, the, from the Speccy. Uh, so, you know, what's that tell you? And looking at the... Uh, Looking at the N64 version here, what do you think, bud? I know you're or not N64. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that'd be something. Look at, look at the C64 version of this boat. Clearly, it moves at a decent clip. What do you think about the graphics and stuff? In terms of the coloring and whatnot. Well, my, what I suspect is that this is somebody capturing this game on an NTSC machine. I would say That's you're probably right. So but what fast. do you think of that? Look at the art and whatnot. What do you think of that? Well, it's definitely an improvement. I mean, if you're going to ask somebody, do you want to play this game in color or in one color, they're going to say in color. I don't know. I think the characters look way better in the Spectrum version. I, I, the I, characters look better. I don't, well, The backgrounds look better. You know, I think everything looks better. You're, you're not wrong. You know, me this, and you, now listen, me and you play a lot of these games and people are like, oh, monochrome, but, but we play, and we know this from the Mac, too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about how you program these games, how you handle it. Yeah. It's not even the speed sometimes. It's the it's, it's, the ability. it's how you do the dithering and, and all look that at stuff. And look at the beautiful backgrounds and the beautiful characters. Now look at what you got over here in the C64 version. They look freakish. Yeah. I like it, but Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, I didn't look at the, at the characters at first. I was looking more at the backgrounds, but yeah. The characters definitely lose a lot when you add the, the shading, and I think it's just because you have to lose a certain amount of detail to put in color. So. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, I will say I did not play the '64 version, but I don't like the look of it. Well, it's a C64, so you're oh, never. Oh, now like listen, don't it. listen. Rob Flacco here is in here, and he might bring the bring the pain uh, to you. You know, I wanted to read this earlier. I'm going to read. <laughs> I looked at the instructions for something. If you looked at the. Uh, Instructions. I didn't sleep. look at the instructions on this. So, so well, you, I did because I couldn't figure out what I was doing. <laughs> so, uh, just the, the opening blob here. It says, "Hurry up, wimp! Get me loaded and let's have some fun." Wow, that's what Jack the Nipper said. <laughs> I say that all the time. When I play a baby game, that's the first thing that I think of. When I let's came get into, loaded, when I came into the studio today, that's the first thing I told Boat. Hurry up, wimp! <laughs> get me loaded. Let's have some fun. <laughs> So it says here, Jack was tired of all the wimps in his town. Yeah, it was. They're boring games and goody-goody ways to him to sleep. So Jack, being a rather not, of a naughty disposition, set about livening things up a bit. He picked up his trusty pea shooter and uh, scarpered off to cause some trouble. Scampered? I think they misspelled scampered. Mm. Uh, this is where you uh, come in to take the role of Jack and use your imagination to be as naughty as possible. I like that boat, and it does have a list here of useful items. That's why I wanted to mention this. Uh, this is so they did include some sort of reference oh, to okay. help you, uh, boat. So I didn't look at the docs. I was going from this, you know, as if I acquired this game through nefarious means. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, and the docs also taught me how to open doors and 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 use the keyboard, which is pivotal. Uh, so there you go. Uh, I looked on, I looked at some reviews on this boat. Uh, if you care. Uh, the uh, this thing got massive, massive uh, reviews. I mean, all of them put it over. Uh, Sinclair user five out of five. Crash uh, ninety three out of a hundred. Uh, Your Sinclair nine out of ten. 
uh, Computer Gamer 59 out of 20. Uh, great. It, it won a Crash Smash. Uh, it also won a, a uh, uh, awards from uh, Your Sinclair and ZX Computing. It was very popular. Well, you game. know, 1986, I mean, in some ways, it was kind of, I believe, to be the zenith of the, the, the popularity of the Spectrum. Yeah. Because, I mean, it wasn't so late in the game that people were really buying a lot of 16-bit machines en masse. Yeah. And uh, for people that, that got on board, and play, I mean, it just seems like 86 is the sweet spot where you're going to have the most magazine coverage for the Spectrum. I will say, I looked up, how I was like, how did this thing do? It did great. Uh, the uh, game got to number two in the UK sales chart, trailing only behind Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, and... Uh, starting in, get this, this is something else I found out. In 87, your Sinclair magazine started doing a monthly comic strip based on the character. Mm. So there's a comic series based on This Jack. is a game, or this is a, this is a character that I believe would do very well in the comic strip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, really, and it's funny because reading an interview in Retro Gamer, uh, with, uh, Greg Holmes, he mentions that, like, his inspiration for this was a couple, uh, comic strips. In fact, they almost worked it out. Now, I'd never heard of any of these, by the way. There's some British stuff. But he, they almost, they thought about working a deal out with a, with one of the comic strips that he was basing this on, or cartoon. But they decided it wouldn't earn them any extra money, and uh, it would cost them money. And so they mm -hmm. didn't do it. So kind of neat. Um, if you want to add, oh, do we get any Discord action on this? We got part? a ton of Discord action on I, this. I'm not surprised. So, uh, Will Brooker uh, writes... Uh, there's no doubt that this game's greatest assets are its graphics. Characters are drawn in the authentic style of the Beano's Leo Baxendale, along the lines of anti-heroes like Babyface, Finlayson, and Sweeney Toddler. Animation is simple but jolly, the sprites are smooth, and there's a convincing sense of wandering around a kid's comic. The pseudo-3D works in this context as if you're moving back and forward within a shallow space, and the flip screen gives a sense of crossing between panels. But if you take away the charming looks, what's left? The gameplay simply involves weaving along similarly monochrome streets and interiors, avoiding obstacles, and engaging in a few platform jumps to pick up an item that you then have to take to another location. The concept of the prank sounds fun. Gum up false teeth, Poison a garden. That sounds fun, right? Poison yeah. a garden. Sabotage a computer store. <laughs> yeah. Blow up your grandmother's car. Oh, I didn't put... He, he didn't put that in there. But it, it, I wouldn't be surprised. But it all comes down to exactly the same technique. You made... Wait a minute. You made that part up and just added it? I just added Why? it. Why? <laughs> Jack the Nipper is graduating into... into you just clicked up your naughty meter, boat. Yeah. So you pick up an item from one corner, weave along the streets until you find the target location, drop the item, move to the next. There's no combat to break up these fetch-and-drop missions. The pea shooter is sluggish, controls are not especially responsive, and enemies tend to stick to you, following you until your energy is sapped. Great set dressing around a repetitive game mechanic. It's interesting to compare this to Herbert's Dummy Run, another game about a baby from the same time, and to note that in sequels, Three Weeks in Paradise and Coconut Capers, both babies went on tropical vacation. An example of ZX Spectrum synchronicity. Oh, man, I hope he didn't sing that. Jed Byrne writes, Jack the Nipper looks as good as I remember, but I'd forgotten how badly it plays. I think Pete Cook summed it, Pete Cook summed it up in Crash 42. This looks nice, very pretty. And then I saw it moving, and they all move in diagonals, and I thought, oh, no, why? It's a trivial thing to have a lookup table in a shallow diagonal, so it looks realistic. 
rather than bouncing off walls. Unfortunately, the great work done by the designers is constantly undermined by lazy programming. The attract screen is cute, with the menu being replaced by Jack cheekily urging you to get a move on. Yeah. But, but when you try to start a game, you cannot. Yeah. You have to wait for the menu to come back first. The puzzles are fun and mischievous, but there's no way of knowing what can and can't be picked up. On the first screen, there are three toys on the shelf, but only the pea shooter can be picked up. You have to grind through each screen standing next to everything and seeing if it will pick up. The map is varied, with lots of locations, but each location has the same annoying characters bouncing around. Some you can clear out of the way with a pea shooter, but using your weapon on others will have them follow you around the screen, causing repeated deaths. A couple weeks of playtesting could have turned this into a great game. Instead, we have a game with great first impressions, followed by lasting frustration. Such a shame. Flat Duck Records writes, I can imagine a big appeal of this game was swapping hints and tips in the playground and excitedly trying out when you got them home to your spectrum in the evening. Telling apart the made-up pranks your pal Colin tried to convince you were really in the game was probably part of the fun. <laughs> no doubt sold many magazines with hint supplements, too. There you go. There you go. It's definitely a controller game, and in particular a pad rather than a joystick, I reckon. And yet you still need the keyboard to interact with things. The default movement keys are awful. Maybe it's meant to evoke a toddler's erratic shambling about, <laughs> but I found it annoying and clumsy. I'd like to have been able to pick up more stuff even if it's not part of a puzzle. The ability to push things off shelves would be fun. Lots more chaos. The sprites and animations are all there already. And the animals and whatnot should be on your side. Take them into a shop and let them loose. What there is is fun, but it could have been more. The nappy rash thing is amusing, but I think it could have been a more interesting game mechanic. Instead of lives, it could have been a time limit forcing you to return home for a nappy change rather than it acting like a health bar and implying strangers in the street are smacking children. Even, <laughs> even if it was the 80s. Whoop. What was going on over there? And as for the strangers, I think there could have been more risk-reward gameplay. They should leave you alone until they catch you being naughty. Maybe a simple line-of-sight thing could have been done on a spectrum for a bit of sneaky stealth. Anyway, once caught, you would be ejected from the premises, forfeiting any additional points or items that you didn't already collect. I'd also quite like the shopkeepers to frown once they are annoyed with you. That certainly would have made eight-year-old me laugh. And finally, Jigglebox writes... A jaunty tune and colorful menu screen kicks things off nicely. If you hang about, though, Jack wanders out, gives you a whistle, and taunts you to play. Yeah. From then on, it's a case of finding objects, avoiding bumping into other characters, and being naughty with the objects you find. I found the game somewhat engaging with some nice graphics, albeit monochrome. However, there are many other games I'd rather spend time with. Six out of ten from a weedy wimp. You know, I, I will say the opening thing is funny. And that little whistle was a pretty impressive. Apparently, it was quite a technical feat to pull that off. I, you know, the boy, the the uh, viewer feedback really brought up a lot of good ideas for like games that could have been different. They, you know, again, you got to consider this is this was early in this dude's career, mm -hmm. Holmes' career, and so this, I mean, for an early effort, I think this is great. Yes, I would. He's got the bones of something awesome here. I would have gotten rid of the random moving of stuff around, and even either made this a straight up. Uh, uh, adventure game with like a like where you go out and do stuff or a straight up action game. You, you, you tried to sort of do both. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I would have done. I would have left everything as is. Yeah. And I would have when you hit somebody with a pea shooter, I would have not made them come after you unless they directly saw you. And yeah. That's, and that's the way that you. I think somebody mentioned that. But there, I I think with just you would not have to totally re rehaul or redesign this game to make it better. Yeah. There's just a couple slight changes you can make. 
and it really would be. This is a unique game. We've not played an adventure game that have these elements combined before. This is like, this is the baby that would go on to go to school in school day. Mm -hmm. He moved on yeah. after this. He went and became, he kept being a jerk. Right. Right on out the door. <laughs> he kept the teachers, pea shooter, that's for you sure. Know? So it's, <laughs> that, that is amusing. Um, I also want to mention before we close it up, when you lose in this, uh, Jack gives you a rating based on how naughty you were, mm -hmm. and it ranges from goody goody on. I got, I think I got like, the, what's the? Do you recall the most naughty you were able to be able to get in this? Right bastard. Was that, what was they that wow? <laughs> no, probably not. You just made that up, yeah. didn't you? You wanted to cuss on the air. Um, I looked this up on the eBay boat. Uh, if you're interested in picking this up, uh, there's plenty available. I saw people selling them from eight bucks all the way to forty bucks. There are this thing was also included in all sorts of collections, and whatnot. So if you want a copy, it shouldn't be too tough to pick one up if you're in the UK. As per usual, if you're in the States, you're bone, boat. Mm. You are bone. That's all we got, my friend. Well, we want to thank uh, Clive's Club member Jed Byrne for uh, for picking this show, uh, for uh, nominating this, and of Good course choice. all. Of Clive's Club for uh, for voting on it. Yeah. Great choice. It's now time, Aaron, to reveal next month's oh, title. Bam! It's Firefly. Firefly. One of my favorite shows. Come is now come home to the ZX Spectrum. Do you think that there's anything related to uh, to the the show in this? Game? Well, I would wager this predates Firefly by several decades. Mm. So I would say no. Okay. Well. We uh, this was picked by Justin Ten Pot Gamer, oh, nominated man. and Thank uh, you. of well course done. voted on by Clive's Club. Speaking of Clive's Club and our uh, our supporting the show, uh, we have a goal, Aaron, and that goal is getting ever closer to being met. Right now, our Sinclair is a monthly endeavor, but if we get two hundred dollars of support on Patreon, this show will morph into a weekly show, Spectrum every week. You see my morph animation? That's what has me morphing. I, well, I was that because you know there was an Amiga program that did basically. I used the same that. Thing. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I couldn't believe how cool that was. Well, you didn't need to use it; you just recreated it. Yourself morphing right was there. a big deal in like the late '80s, early '90s. Like that was a huge. Did you ever morph yourself into something? Oh, tons! Zombies, balls, whatever you get hold of. It was cool, <laughs> and I love morphing. We want to thank all of our R. Sinclair supporters: uh, Wanderly Chesham, Chartel, Jigglebox, David. Harris, Andrew Waite, Eric Nelson, Captain Crispy, Laurent Giroux, Mark Downey, Peter Mulholland, Chris Folds, Gary Heather, Mark Durham, Mitsuyama, and Pixels at Dawn. Thank you guys so much for supporting our Sinclair. We will see you next time for Firefly. And until then, rewind tape and press play.